Well, let us be, uh, begin our study today in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 20 through 22. We're coming to the close of our study of 1 Thessalonians. We've got one more sermon after today, uh, unless something else strikes me here, uh, or if I, in making the sausage, find out I have a link instead of just a patty. Uh, but we're going to look at uh, this passage in a series of commands that we have here at the end of the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, 20-22, which says to us, God says to us, through the Apostle Paul, Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Well, today I want to address two things here in this passage. First, I want us to understand prophecy. We want to first talk about how how to understand prophecy, particularly when the Bible talks about prophecy. How how are we to understand that? And then, more in line with what the passage is talking about, we want to understand what the Scripture is telling us about how to treat prophecy how to treat prophecy, so how to understand prophecy, how to treat prophecy. Hopefully you have an outline there uh, that I've printed up for you and and you can follow along by that. Well, first, what is meant by prophecy? Uh, In order to get the most benefit from these verses, we must begin begin by having a clear understanding of what we understand as prophecy. What does the Bible mean when it uses this word prophecy or when it speaks of a prophet? Well, when the Bible speaks of prophecy in the Old Testament and the New Testament, it is apparent, if you look at all the passages, that it refers to two separate but related things and then a third thing, clearly a third thing. So, so three things, and, and I have heard before from other people, so this is not original with me, but I like the designations that I've given you in the outline that we're, what we're talking about here is big P prophets, little P prophets, and false prophets. Those are the three biblical categories of prophets. And so let me explain what I mean by each of those in turn. First of all, we've got big P prophets. These prophets were divinely inspired people who received messages from God for the people. This is the prophecy of Scripture. 2 Peter 1.20 says, No prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So they were inspired by the Holy Spirit, were given God's word for the people by, the, by, the, by God, the Holy Spirit. Now these prophets include all the human authors of Scripture, uh, of the Old Testament and the New Testament. Men like Moses and David and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, Daniel, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John and Paul, and of course Jesus the ultimate prophet. God gave these folks messages that he wanted communicated to the people. 
to humanity. And those people related those messages to the people. And they are recorded for us in the scriptures. Their messages were divinely inspired. They were given through the agency of the Holy Spirit. They were infallible. They are infallible. And they are inerrant. They are without error. There are no mistakes there. These are the big P prophets. These big P prophets not only foretold future events, they foretold the word of God. And that's a distinction. When people think of prophets, sometimes they just think of of people who predicted the future. Well, that's part of it. Uh, you, You have to understand that prophets were God's mouthpiece. They foretold God's word. And they foretold future events because they were foretelling God's word. God wanted to communicate to humanity some future events. And so the prophets, these big P prophets, were speaking God's word and sometimes that included events that would come in the future. For example, the birth of Christ prophesied 700 years earlier by the prophet Isaiah or the entire prophecy, the book of Revelation by the Apostle John. It's telling us uh, in, in most of the book of future events. So Big P prophecy is synonymous with Scripture. It is Scripture. So there are no more Big P prophets. The canon is closed. We have Scriptures. We're not uh, listening to some so-called prophets today and thinking, oh, we've got to take their words and add them to Scripture. Nobody says that. Well, no sane person says that. Only evil, false prophets. We'll get to those later. So Big P Prophecy. No more of those. We have it here. Here's our Big P Prophets. All of Scripture is God's word is prophecy in that sense. Little P Prophets. The Bible speaks of prophecy in another sense, especially in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 11, it tells us, uh, uh, as it relates the, the work of uh, the early church, it says, In those days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them, named Agabus, stood up and foretelled by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea, and they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. So we have here a prophecy by Agabus, one of the prophets from Jerusalem. We have that recorded for us in Scripture, so we know he was speaking infallibly, and we know it came true because uh, it says it, it happened in the time of Claudius. The disciples took that seriously. They heard his prophecy. They took it seriously, and they acted accordingly. They took up a collection for those churches that were going to be affected by the, the famine. But it mentions here uh, that there were more than just there's, there were more prophets than just Agabus. In those days, there were prophets that came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. We don't hear uh, of their prophecies at all. We don't we don't have any of their prophecies recorded for us. Uh, were they speaking God's word? Apparently. Not in the sense of a big P prophet, because it's not what God wanted to communicate to his people. So there is probably another category. 
In Acts 21, you also have another prophecy by Agabus concerning the Apostle Paul, but you also have this, this other reference. Uh, Luke says, on the next day we departed and came to Caesarea and we entered the house of Philip, the evangelist, who was one of the seven. He was one of the original deacons that you read about in Acts chapter 6. And we stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. And we don't hear anything of their prophecies. It just says that he had these four daughters and they prophesied. So how are we to understand what they were doing? Well, I think Paul gives us some clarity in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. It says there, as he discusses spiritual gifts, to pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So as he... Certainly he's not suggesting that we all speak the inerrant, infallible word of God like the prophets of Scripture, like Moses or the Apostle John. Well, obviously that's not what he's talking about here. Rather, what he means is this, that we should desire to have the ability to take the word of God, the big P prophecy, and apply it and reinforce it to others. To, to speak the truth of God's word to others for edification. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 14.3, a couple of verses later. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. So undoubtedly what he's talking about is taking God's word and opening it up and expounding it and applying it to people and, and it, it building them up and encouraging them or giving them comfort in difficulties with the promises of Scripture. The one who has insight into Scripture and its meaning and into its application to the contemporary world can certainly be called a little p prophet. Now this includes sermons. Uh, this includes uh, teachers, Bible teachers, uh, other informal messages that are scriptural. Uh, they're, they're sound biblically. And they're heart-searching. Perhaps they're insightful. And it means something to those who hear it. Possibly someone who uh, can do that is, 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 has the gift of little p prophecy. They're not speaking inerrantly. They're, they're not infallible. They're human. They're, they've given, been given insight by the Holy Spirit into Scripture. And they can share it with others. And encourage and edify and build up. There's a book by uh, one of the Puritans, and it's called, it's a fellow by the name of William Perkins, and the book is entitled The Art of Prophesying. And that book is uh, nothing more than a preaching manual. It's a, it's a guidebook for pastors. But that's, a, that's how the Puritans referred to, uh, to preaching, as prophesying. Now, I believe that prophesying can be more than preaching, as long as it's expounding on the word of God, it can be more informal than that. But Matthew Poole, another Puritan, he says uh, in his commentary on this passage, he says, by prophecy is sometimes meant foretelling of things to come and speaking by extraordinary revelation. Sometimes the scriptures are so called, especially the Old Testament. That's big P prophecy. You know, uh, divinely inspired, extraordinary revelation from God. And, here's little p prophecy, and sometimes the interpretation and applying of scripture, which is the same that we now call preaching. 
So we have here the difference between big P prophets, which there are no more, and little P prophets. And that will help us distinguish what Paul is actually talking about here in the verse. Well, there's a third category that we need to, to, to think about for a moment, and that is the false prophet. There's uh, much written in Scripture about false prophets. That, that passage that Peter was talking about prophecy where he said no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Next verse says, but false prophets also arose among the people just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies even denying the master who bought them bringing upon themselves swift destruction and many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed, and in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Now, there are false prophets who claim to be big P prophets, like Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith would have his words that he claims to have been given added to Scripture and be the Book of Mormon. They put their own words on par with Scripture. And there are others as well. But there are also, and more commonly, false prophets who claim to be little p prophets. Or perhaps they don't even claim to be prophets at all, but they're still false prophets because they're taking God's word, they're twisting it around, and they're distorting the gospel, they're distorting the Christian message completely and totally. That's who Peter's probably talking more about than big P false prophets. There are many people, uh, many examples of this today. Just turn on the TV to any of these television preachers and, and you'll likely find one within a short time who is trying to exploit you uh, because they're greedy. They're trying to get money from people. You see it time and time again with these television preachers who are, who are in their greed exploiting you with false words. So it's a relevant topic to understand. As we read this, you say, do not despise prophecies. You know, it seems far off. It doesn't seem relevant to today. But we're constantly bombarded with voices giving us messages, informing us about the world around us and about life and how to live it. And we need to have some discernment and understand what's true and what's false. So false prophets are out there, whether they claim to be prophets or not. Well, that brings us to, to the command that Paul gives us that's before us today, how to treat prophecy. So three things I want to cover here today, really, really briefly. Uh, first is this. What Paul says is do not despise prophecy. First, we shouldn't dis despise, obviously, big P prophecy. We shouldn't despise God's word. It's God's word to us, and we should treat it as such, with respect, with, with, uh, uh, with our attention, with diligence in reading it uh, and, and understanding it and studying it. Think about it. It is God's word. He delivered it to us using those big P prophets. 
He wanted to communicate things to us, and we have it written down for us. The God of this universe, our creator, the one who made us, the who holds our destiny in his hands. This is what he wants us to know. So we can despise big P prophecy. We can despise the Bible by ignoring it, neglecting it, by not taking what it says seriously as what it is, God's word. So we should never despise big P prophecy, and we do sometimes, we have to admit. We don't take it seriously. If you despise someone, what do you do? Well, you might want to punch them in the face, but more often than not, most civilized people just ignore those people we don't care for, right? Well, you can despise God's word by just ignoring it and keeping it at arm's length and not paying attention to what it says. You can also despise little p prophecy. Well, you can despise little p prophecy by not showing up to church, by not being eager to come and hear God's word expounded, to, to, to neglecting coming to Bible studies and, and to to neglect uh, hearing from the teachers in your church and the preacher in your church. So today, if you're here and you are listening to me and you're listening to God's word, you're not despised. See, you're, you're actually, while you're hearing a sermon about despising prophecy, not despising prophecy, you're not despising prophecy because you're listening. You're paying attention and hopefully you're taking on board what we say. And you're going to test what I say by this, this word. That's the next, the next command we have. I'm not infallible. I'm not perfect. So you have to take what I say, this little p prophecy, and you have to test it by big p prophecy, which is the third point. Test little p prophecy by big p prophecy to see if it is true or false. So we shouldn't take little p prophecy teachings that people give about scripture. Uh, we shouldn't reject it outright uh, and we, we shouldn't accept it outright. We should test it, listen to it, sift it, weigh carefully what is said, make sure it lines up with all of scripture. And there are several ways, now Paul doesn't say how we are to test scripture but the rest of the Bible in various places gives us guidance on how we are to test prophecy especially the little p prophecy that we receive from time to time week to week week, week in and week out first we have to ask the question you know just for example's sake this sermon today what you're hearing from me today first of all is it scriptural if it's not scriptural, if it doesn't agree with the Bible, then don't listen to it. Reject it. Abstain from it. We have to be like the Bereans. You know, when, when Paul went to Thessalonica, he got run out of town, and he, the next stop was Berea. And uh, the Jews in Thessalonica were the ones who ran him off. And when he got to Berea, it says there in Acts 17, now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica, they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So to test it, 
we need to we need to hear it we need to take it and test it which means we need to measure it by the ultimate measure God's word the big P prophecy and we also need to test it out in life to you know use it to act on it that's one way you can test something by putting it into practice so is it scriptural does it agree with scripture secondly how are we to test it first is it Christ exalting and accurate about him is it faithfully proclaiming Christ in his person is it, does it agree that he uh, was fully human and fully divine does it have uh, a, an accurate reflection of who Christ is as he is revealed in scripture John in his letter 1 John 4 says beloved do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are from God for many false prophets have gone out into the world by this you know the spirit of God every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God this is the spirit of the Antichrist which you heard was coming and now is in the world already well it's all about Christ it's all about Christ and and if someone is giving you a message devoid of Christ or it maligns Christ in some way or comes up short of who he really and truly was then that message is not to be accepted. Thirdly, is it true gospel? Is it truly the good news of Jesus Christ? Is it, is it, uh, does it give us a, a true gospel or a false gospel? Paul in, Galatian, in Galatians 1 says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you receive, let him be accursed. Those are strong words. And Paul is stressing the importance of the good news about Jesus Christ, that it is that it is all his work it is it is by his grace his work not from any man work not from any effort on our part to save ourselves it is completely the gospel of grace that Christ has has lived died rose again to free us from the guilt of sin from the bondage to sin and one day from the even presence of sin he did it all from first to last. It's not through our efforts. It's not through our good works. Not by works, lest any man should boast. But it's all by God's grace through faith in him. If someone tells you something different than that, that you have to follow a set of rules to, in order to be saved or have this experience or that experience or anything else except leaning upon Christ alone for salvation, then that's a false message. That's a false gospel. So we should measure everything that is proclaimed by that standard. And fourthly, this, these last two refer to uh, the speaker uh, and the message. Does the speaker's character match his message? 
Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. Well, that weighs heavily on me, uh, because if I want you to accept my message, uh, you, you know, my life is supposed to be consistent with that, and I know that it's not sometimes. I would ask your forgiveness and the Lord's forgiveness. But does the speaker's message match his life, his character, match the message? That's what Jesus is saying there. A false prophet, you will see that the, 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 the character of the person and the message do not add up. They do not agree with one another. And then fifthly, does the message edify? For it to be considered prophecy and true, I mean, it has to edify, right? Uh, this is not so important because sometimes things edify some people more than others. You come to church on a Sunday and sometimes the, the message means a lot to you and it's, and it's just right where you need, what you need to hear. For others, not so much. But you've at least heard the big P prophecy. You've heard God's word read and you need to think about that and meditate on it and even meditate on what the, what the, what the pastor said or, or the teacher said. As Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, prophecy, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. So sometimes, hopefully all the time, I want you to be encouraged and challenged and built up in your faith by what we do here on Sunday morning and Wednesday night or any other time any of us meet uh, for any purpose, especially when we're studying the Bible. So I hope this is helpful to you as you think about this command and challenging to you as well how we need to take seriously the scriptures and be careful about the messages that we hear about scripture and how we can weigh those out and study it and test it and put it into practice, the good, and abstain from the bad. Remember what Jesus, uh, what John the Baptist said about Jesus. His disciples came to him one day after Jesus started his public ministry and, and they said uh, to John the Baptist, uh, those, that one you baptized on the, in the Jordan, he's baptizing now and everybody's going to him. He's talking about Jesus. They were talking about Jesus. And John replied, You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hear him, hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. 
See, to reject Christ and the gospel is the ultimate way we can despise prophecy. John the Baptist was kind of the last of the Old Testament prophets, even though we read about him in the New Testament, but he was that style of Old Testament prophet, and he was pointing to Christ. And that's what all the scriptures are doing. All the scriptures are pointing us to Christ and the good news about Jesus Christ and what he's done for sinners such as we are. So to ignore the gospel message is the ultimate way that anybody can despise the prophecy. You remember what Jesus said when he was on the road to Emmaus? After he had risen from the dead, he appeared to a couple of disciples as they traveled along and they were discussing all that had happened to Jesus as he got uh, crucified and, and uh, they, they were perplexed that his tomb was empty and they didn't recognize Jesus walking with him. Uh, and, and Jesus addresses them and, and talks to them and, and they don't know who he is. And, and he goes and opens up the scriptures to them and explains from the, from the Old Testament all the way through how all the scriptures are about him. All the prophets pointed to him. And you know, when it was over and they did recognize Jesus, they recounted how their hearts burned within them as he opened the scriptures to them. Well, God's word should not be despised. And any, any teaching that promotes this word of God and the message of the gospel should not be despised but be embraced. We should turn from our sin and turn to the one who has been revealed to us in the pages of Holy Scripture. Let's pray together. Father, we do ask that you would open our, 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 our eyes and our ears and our hearts as we prayed before to your word that we would take it seriously, that we would study to, to show ourselves approved. Lord, we pray that we would be like the Bereans and search the scriptures and wrestle with the things that we're taught and the things that we read there. And we pray, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would work those things into our lives. And Lord, we pray that no one here today would leave this place without calling upon you and, and hearing the good news of, of Jesus Christ and embracing Christ as their Savior because there's no other, no other way of salvation except through him who is the way, the truth, and the life and is in whose name we pray. Amen.